should we should we DM the Southwest Airline Twitter account and be like, hey, can you sponsor us for this podcast? Oh, and by the way, can you pay us in tickets? Put our face on a plane? Yeah. Please. Ooh. That day will come. John that Boy's will- just getting a billboard. Well, just had a billboard. Yeah. Well, we can wait for airlines. You know, we'll build ourselves to that. All right, folks. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers of Statistics and Sports Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And uh, I'm I questioned sh- that. I, I didn't commit to my own. It was not very or... strong. No, it wasn't. No, I, I was questioning my own reality. Jeez. Um, hopefully, I sound the same. So that shouldn't be different. If you actually watch this show in the video, I look different. I'm in a different place. I have moved. My background is now plain white walls that are unoccupied by any artwork, although that will change. Um, and I feel like I'm better lit, but I can't really tell that. Um, I would say so. All right. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, different environment. My feet are on carpet. It feels really nice, I got to say. As, as a lifelong hardwood stand, I have to say, <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> um, yeah. But, See, if, if you notice that my background's different, it's because I'm in my basement because it's hot out and the basement is cool. Got all my bonfire supplies behind me. I got my feet on the carpet, so I'm right there with them, although I'm a lifelong carpet stand. And if you ever worry about how I handle under the stress of being in the limelight, being on the silver screen here, Josh and I have been talking for a good almost hour now before we started this. I didn't fuck up any sentences when we were talking. A couple idioms here and there, but that's natural. First sentence on the podcast, I screw up my own name, and I dropped the first ball I tossed up in the air. So I am a mental midget collapsing under the pressure. Uh, Let's get started. I am a sun collapsing under my own (laughs) pressure. (laughs) The inner machinations of my My mind mind are are an enigma. enigma. I also got... My New York Jets jersey on. No, half of the first time, actually, during recording this. But anyway. Yeah, showing off those um, locks. I do have hair. It does exist. It's very thick and will never go away. The hat promotion was not an issue uh, or was not a. Wow. It's amazing how quickly I fucked up. This is insane. Was not an excuse to cover up his you know, balding head. He's got those thick locks there still. He's still got a salad that is freshly tossed. He's good to go. Yeah, really. The um, the reality is that my hats are still like packed somewhere, and really? I didn't I, I didn't feel like finding them. Um, anyway, I'll pick up the slack. I'll pick up the slack. We got we got the Jets jersey on because the draft is now behind us. We were recording this on Sunday, uh, May second, new month. The pandemic marches forward, um, <laughs> whether you wanted to or not. But uh, the NF, the 2021 NFL draft is behind us. Picks have been made. Players are now on new teams uh, and have entered the NFL for the first time. And some will be colossal, colossal difference makers. And some will be Zach Wilson. Some will be guys. No, some will mean. be guys who are dudes who do things and you hope that they're okay. And that's all they're going to be in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, we got two long snappers drafted. We got a kicker that was hitting. That was unscrewing Gatorade bottle caps from like 80 yards away. We've got a 265-pound punter that was drafted. We got it all this year. And we're going to take it. um, We're going to try to get through four divisions, half the teams. We're going to take it division by division, doing the east and the north today, and then uh, trying to probably do the south and the west later on. So let's go ahead and jump in with both feet and get started with our good old AFC East. We'll go by standings order from the 2020 season, which means we're starting with the Buffalo Bills. Um, and let's take a look at how uh, who the Buffalo Bills drafted. Um, they took defensive end Gregory Rousseau, uh, defensive end Carlos Basham Jr., offensive tackle Spencer Brown, offensive tackle Tommy Doyle, wide receiver Marquez Stevenson, safety DeMar Hamlin, cornerback Richard, sorry, Rashad Wild Goose, great name. And guard Jack Anderson. Um, I don't know any of these names offhand. Corbin, uh, tell me I just I just noticed the wild goose name for the first time, and boy, that that is fucking perfect. And it's not even like it's spelled kind of funky, but it's pronounced wild goose. It is wild yeah. goose. Yeah, it's just right there uh, for all it's worth. Um, Buffalo Bills. 
I'll be honest, one of my least favorite drafts. I just, I really don't care for uh, some of the players picked. That being said, strategy-wise, I'm all for it. I, I really do agree with a lot of the things they did where they identified key areas where they were weak, key key areas where, hey, they needed a lot of depth. They needed some guys who you know could potentially step up. They were going to go after those positions, and they went for it. You know, they drafted three offensive linemen. They drafted two defensive edge rushers with their first two picks, two defensive ends, two outside linebackers. Not entirely sure how Buffalo will utilize them, but they knew what they were going after. You know, two defensive backs and a wide receiver to fill out some depth. That's really all you needed to ask for as the Bills. My issues arise with the players they did pick. Um, They got some value. In Carlos Basham, I, I like him going at 61. That's a little after where I probably would have had him. I think his potential is uh, higher than that. But I also like him more than I like Gregory Rousseau at pick 30. Um, I really think, you know, at the end of the day, Rousseau might have had a, a, a cunt hair higher of a grade overall in a vacuum. But getting one guy at 30 and one guy at 61 is just an insane difference in value. Um, I, I made many a bets with Ethan about where Russo would go. He was convinced he was going to go in the first. I was convinced he would fall because, man, it's like watching his film. It's not promising. You know, he had a lot of production two years ago. A lot of it was just, you know, wrap up plays, guys where, you know, or plays where, he didn't necessarily blow past a defender. He didn't beat him with technique. He didn't beat him with power, speed, any one overpoweringly, you know, elite uh, trait. It was really just opportunity. And it was there. He was able to capitalize on opportunity created around him, not because of him. And while he has talent, I don't think it correlates well to a, a 30th overall selection, especially when he hasn't played since 2019 he, he opted out this past year it really tanked his draft stock where i'm sure when we did the draft preview podcast after last year's draft i'm sure gregory russo was a top five pick for us but then you dig through the film i i, I didn't watch any film by the time we did that draft it was all of you know media speculation and, and where um we saw guys and based off 2019 raw production and what you see live during games or in highlights, not necessarily film breakdowns. And it's just, uh, it's not my favorite. So I'm ready to move on from them unless you have any other comments. Uh, not really. I, I can't speak much to the specific players. So I'll just talk a little bit about how I, you know, see Buffalo constructed. Um, Offensive line was a big issue for them. Josh Allen is very good on his legs, and I think he was probably asked to do a lot on his legs this off se- this last season because the offensive line around him would often just collapse and not so much necessarily they be designed run plays. Now, you're always going to have to run out of necessity. Like, pockets only hold for so long. Um, but at the same time, giving more time is literally never a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. as an offensive line. If that pocket held for five entire fucking minutes, it'd be wonderful. Um, if there's a pocket that is one held for five minutes and needed for five minutes, that's just, that's good football. No matter uh, what you say, no matter how awful it is to watch, that's good football. That, and that that feels like a lot of Aaron Rodgers' pockets over the years, but anyway. Um, oh boy, I feel like that's something we're going to need to talk about after all this. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I, I get that the defensive end picks back to back, I think is a little bit surprising only because Buffalo's defense has been rather stout for, I don't know, the past century. Um, they're they're kind of middle of the road in terms of um, sacks, but they've, oh, actually, now I kind of, I'm looking there, they're, they were like bottom 10 in uh, quarterback pressure percent last season. So maybe their line, though those ends do make a little bit more sense in context. Um, I guess I, I'm surprised there's not more offensive weapons being taken here. Mm-hmm. 
that's what takes me by surprise the most spending that one pick that lone pick on wide receiver i think is kind of odd but especially in the sixth round 203 that's not that's not gonna be an impact player for you no that's a bit weird and we talked about it. We talked about Cole Beasley and how he was producing way more than we ever would have expected him to. I know they still have John Brown there. They have Isaiah McKenzie or Isaiah Wright, one of the two. Um, I just don't necessarily think those guys behind Stefan Diggs are difference makers. You know, it, it's always nice to have a solid number two, you know, Calvin Ridley to Julio Jones, uh, Michael Gallup or CeeDee Lamb for your um, Amari Cooper, you know, you look at the Steelers depth, you, you look at teams with, you know, you look at Denver with their insane depth and it's always a better situation to have. It's a very valuable position to have depth at. And I just, I'm not a fan of the bills. That being said, I still think they're my favorites to win the division. I think Miami will give them a run this year. Um, but I think both the Patriots and the jets are, you know, they're going to have their rookie quarterbacks. We don't expect you know, Mac Jones to be starting in New England. We do expect Zach Wilson to be starting in New York, but I don't think they're there to compete. So Buffalo, Buffalo's still at the top for me. Yeah, it doesn't move the needle much for their competitiveness. Let's take it to Miami then, um, since they are finished next in the standings in the AFC East last season. Their picks were wide receiver Jalen Waddle, edge rusher Jalen Phillips, safety Javon Holland. They only drafted people with J names. Um mm-hmm. Offensive tackle, Liam Eckenberg. Eckenberg. Uh, Eckenberg. Tight end, Hunter Long. Offensive tackle, Larnell Coleman. And running back, Garrick Dokes. Garrid Dokes, sorry. Um, what do you think about these picks here, Corwin? I really liked Miami's draft. Um, I love the Jalen Waddle pick if it wasn't for the fact that Penny Sewell was there. I think value-wise, you know, before we dig into that, I feel like – it's something we saw with this draft where, you know, teams that were very needy at offensive line, like Minnesota, like Pittsburgh, um, I think Carolina also passed. Um, they didn't necessarily go for these top end offensive line pieces. They went for more skill position. Feels and, like the exact opposite of last year. Right. Where they are taking the mid round offensive line pieces getting the skill position guys, assuming that they can fill in the rest of those holes later on in the draft. And Hey, they do much more in-depth scouting than either one of us will ever do. They know these players and have more access to information than any one of us. Plus the media will ever have. And at the end of the day, they know more, they know better. And if they think that's where the value is at, we just have to sit back and trust them. We both preach our, build in the trenches, get skill position later on where you can find value. That may not always be the case. There's, you know, never any one rule to any one rule to rule them all. Fuck me. Um, And this, I think, is one of those years where you see the, you know, seesaw tilting back the other direction. And those of us who are preaching for the trenches get laughed at, which is fine. I'll accept it. That's how I personally view it, that's the where I value those, you know, the cost benefits from drafting those guys early, especially in the first round. I, I'm an idiot. Don't trust us. You know, don't lockstep follow us all the way down. There's a billion different ways to follow it. Miami thinks Jalen Waddle can be a more dynamic, one-of-a-kind playmaker than a guy like Penny Sewell can. And at the end of the day, if you look at, you know, the potential value that that could bring to your team in this situation. I, I think it's a fine pick for them to make. I think Jalen Waddle is going to be an absolute stud of a wide receiver. I hate comparing, you know, unproven guys who have dealt with crazy injuries, haven't played in the NFL, unproven situations, whatnot, comparing them to, you know, hall of fame level players. But if there's anyone coming out in recent memory, very much more so than like a John Ross, very much more so than like Henry Ruggs coming out as a prospect. Jalen Waddle can turn into a Tyree kill. He could have that kind of impact for a team. He is just so explosive and so good at moving. He can do that. I, I wonder, you know, how much of it is, um, 
scouting the players you're planning on drafting versus or in coordination with um, scouting the players you have. You know, mm-hmm. the Packers fans, again, bringing up Aaron Rodgers here, um, have long cried for their team to draft a fucking wide receiver in the first round. Um, and part of that's because, you know, is offensive line as important to um, Green Bay as wide receiver is? It seems like kind of no, because Rodgers has a great way of hitting his marks, finding his man and being elusive in the pocket. That's not to say it's not important. And Green Bay has also had good offensive lines, which has helped with all that. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's a, there's, a, there's a math there somewhere that shows that value difference when your quarterback's good. Sam Darnold could have had Michael Thomas or anybody to throw to his offensive line was so bad. He never had the time to get off a good pass to go through all his reads. So for the jets in the Sam Darnold era, offensive line would have been more important. That's why you saw us taking Kai Becton in the first round last season. Maybe. And again, this year, well, we'll get there. Go ahead. Yeah. Maybe Miami's calculus looks something like uh, two attack of our low is really good. We feel our, offensive line is at a B, but our wide receivers are at a C drafting a, uh, the, the marginal difference between Panay Sewell going from a B to an A for our overall offensive line is not as great as the marginal difference between drafting um, Waddle and going from a C to an A for our wide receiver core or however that idea looks that could be somewhere in that as well, where those actual distinctions get made that again, corn and I will never know. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, it's not universally the case this year that people are avoiding offensive linemen. You look at Kansas city where undoubtedly their biggest weakness was offensive line. We saw what happened in the super bowl. We saw what happened at the end of last year. They invested heavily in offensive line this off season and it's a complete turnaround. I mean, we'll talk about them next episode, next time we record. But it's not just the case. There's multiple paths to take. What's effective in this case? They went with Jalen Waddle, and we applaud the pick. Yeah. They also went Jalen Phillips. Love that pick as well. I think 18 is a perfect spot for him. Um, he's going to be a guy that can come in to start. Javon Holland, I'm not super high on uh, comparatively. But at the end of the day, that was a position of need. He fills it. Liam Eichenberg, I think, is a good value at 42 and fits that offensive line piece that they were looking for. I think if you were looking at, you know, the wide receivers there in the second round at pick 42 that you could have if you went Sewell wide receiver versus Waddle, Liam Eichenberg, I think the trade-off, I think the, the value is close enough to be a wash. And if we we talked about doing it where we were going to go through all the first round picks and judge those individually, and then in the second episode, review all of the draft classes as a whole. And one of the big reasons we chose to not do that was for exactly this. You look at Jalen Waddle and it's like, all right, well, they clearly don't value protecting Tua, you know, that not a huge, like not a great grade because of that. And Waddle's a great player, but you don't know what their plan is and now seeing that hey we will protect him we will be doing things to invest in the line just albeit you know a little bit later okay that makes more sense now they had a plan they were able to you know implement it here we are that changes the outcome all right let's keep it moving let's head over to new england now they drafted Quarterback, Max Jones, defensive tackle, Christian Barmore, defensive end, Ronnie Perkins, running back, Ramondre Stevenson, left, left, linebacker, oh, Cameron McGrone. Ramondre Stevenson. I missed that one. Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, linebacker, Cameron McGrone. McGrone. Um, safety, Joshua Bledsoe. I think he's related to Drew. Um, I was just thinking that, yeah. Offensive guard, William Sherman, and wide receiver, Trey Nixon. Uh, Corwin, what do you think about the New England Patriots draft here? Um, Now knowing that they took one of the most feared generals in the Civil War uh, and the guy who burned Atlanta and Savannah to the ground, uh, destroyed Charleston. Man, William Tecumseh Sherman, scary guy to be on that defensive front. 
um, or I'm sorry, offensive front. Joshua Bledsoe, not related to Drew Bledsoe. Do you think he will be a starter for them and, you know, be a, a middle of the pack guy and then all of a sudden get hurt and this guy, you know, Nicky Brady comes in and is the next Ed Reed kind of safety? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much locked in. All right, yeah. we're locking that in. But New England had a very New England draft. You know, they draft uh, the quarterback with the biggest bust potential in Mac Jones. You know, you look at the successful quarterbacks over the last five, six, seven years, you know, basically since Andrew Luck was drafted. And you see, hey, you know, guys who succeeded, guys who faltered, guys who had that running threat, who had that, you know, had the feet, had the legs to not be locked into the pocket have succeeded at a significantly higher clip than those who were sturdy pocket passers. That is concerning when you look at, you know, what Mac Jones does. He played in a very beneficial offense for the quarterback where you have a a wide receiver room where you've had four of them drafted in the first round over the past two years. Like that's just unbelievable. The talent there supporting him is unbelievable coming now into the nfl he's going to be playing against much stiffer competition much more diverse uh, defensive fronts without nearly the help he had can he still compete compete passes at a 77 percent clip no obviously not we just have to see how far he falls Um, he's had one season of starting experience which is scary um there's a lot of concern, but his deep throw ability, you know, his flashes that he's had do say, hey, there's a chance he could be something very special if he's supported and if he's put in a good system. And boy, I genuinely just don't know. I, I really don't know if New England's going to be able to kind of put that all together. Um, it's such a New England pick also in part yeah. because it's Belichick whose biggest thing is I don't care what you do. Really, as long as you don't turn over the ball, mm-hmm. that's his big is he's such a non risk taker in that respect where he does not want you like, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear running backs who oftentimes, you know, if a running back is like near the first down marker on third down or they're near the goal line, they'll stick the ball out, try to get that extra yard or two. That is a huge, that's a huge no-no in Bill Belichick's system because that is an opportunity for you to lose the ball and commit a turnover, and he is, like, so against turn. So picking a guy that is 77% completion percent in college and finding ways to just make him – you are muted again, Corman. Finding ways to make him the check-down king that he kind of had Brady being for a lot of his career um, – it sounds so Belichick. It sounds so Belichick. What's nutty is, you know, he's so good at throwing the ball deep. I, I really want him to go in and just get let loose. Like, I just want to really see, like, this opposite of Tom Brady in a weird way where an athletic white boy from a, a power football conference, you know, a, a big-time football school, I should say, you know, coming in and just, making it work, just find a way to make it work. And I think that in and of itself is another huge Belichick trope of like, Hey, I don't care what you look like. I don't care. You know what everyone else says about you. If you come in and fill your role, do what you need to do. You got a spot on my team. We'll find a way to make it work. And I do trust bill. will build the team around him and play him up to his strengths. It's really just, God, it's just the pure fucking hope that it doesn't work out because I can't handle another Bill Belichick dynasty. Yeah, well, although thankfully, I just want the change of pace. We say that. Who knows? I could see a fucking 85 year old Bill Belichick on the sideline just still fucking getting in guys' faces. I don't know. I think at some point he's just going to step back just because I think he's going to want to, not because I think he, like, has a. Two and fourteen season or anything like that, but whatever. I don't Probably really. Times undefeated. Fuck New England. We're talking about the Jets now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say Christian Barrymore at thirty-eight is an immense value, and 
really dumb that he fell that far to him. Okay, New York Jets. The New York Jets, the mighty Jets, the 2-14 and 14 New York Jets, with the second overall pick, took quarterback Zach Wilson, who is apparently, I had no idea, um, the whitest man alive. Uh- <laughs> it's It's wild. Dude, when I saw, I never saw like a picture of him. So when I saw pictures of him, like with his like suit on in the bathroom, I was like, oh, buddy. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get fucked. <laughs> it's, it's wild how the more and more you actually see him like in this setting, like in the limelight and all this, the more and more it's just clear. Like it's painting a picture where I could see him be this flaming Johnny Manziel level catastrophe catastrophe of just him having all this potential, everyone in the world trying to get him to work and he just loses his fucking mind and just goes crazy. Gets high on syrup. Yeah. <laughs> Some oh my other God. weird shit. Mayonnaise. Like him looking he looks like he's molded out of white bread. Frightened. <laughs> just that one clip with almost no context of him and a bunch of other first round picks all like together. They were like throwing up like hand signs and stuff like that, just like celebrating. And he's just looking scared as all hell. Like, mom, come pick me up. I'm scared. I also forgot he went to um, Binghamton oh, Young yeah. University. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, you were so Mormon. You weren't just around the whites. Yeah. You were around the really whites. Yes. Like, <sighs> I still fully believe in the talent. And I think he could be a, a Joe Namath kind of guy where fully embraces that limelight. Nah, Joe Namath fucks. Fur coat. <laughs> uh, listen, I don't want to go there. We're going to stick down the fields and the surrounding, like the direct surrounding. Joe Namath tried to fuck on whatever. the field too. I won't hear it any other way. <laughs> I can't we all seen the to, clips. Yeah, I can't speak to that. Um, anyway, <laughs> but the Jets, man, they had one of the one of my favorite first two rounds of the draft. Getting Wilson, yeah. moving up for Elijah Vera Tucker. Oh yeah, I didn't finish reading all the names. Let me let me yeah. Let me oh, all the sorry, names. sorry, sorry. <clears throat> no, you're good. We like got sidetracked. So quarterback Justin Justin Wilson, Zach Wilson, offensive guard Elijah Vera Tucker, wide receiver Elijah Moore, running back Michael Carter, safety Jamian Hamien. I'm gonna go with Jamian Sherwood. Um, safety, Michael Carter, <laughs> cornerback, Jason Pinnock, safety, uh, Hamsa Nasserildin, sorry, um, cornerback, Brandon Eccles, and defensive tackle, Jonathan Marshall. Did you get uh, Michael Carter? And I also got Michael Carter. Okay, so you got Michael Carter. As long as we got Michael Carter, we're good. Um that is just fantastic. I I will forever believe that they drafted the wrong Michael Carter first and had to correct their mistake with the next pick. Shit, shit, shit. God, that next fuck, one, fuck. the other one. But because there's a pick in between, I really would love to think that nobody noticed at first. And then, like, they're just looking at their board and they're like, or, like, they see ESPN talking about the past picks and they're like, yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. All right. All right. Uh, Joe. So we, we got that running back you wanted. Like, what are you looking for now? What, running back? No, 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 no. We were supposed to draft the safety. No, no. You said Michael Carter, the running back. No. <laughs> Michael, Carter, the, Michael Carter, the safety. We don't need a fucking running back. <laughs> I really hope that they haven't tweeted out any of like their physical draft cards yet. So we don't know. I like if it. I was, if I was running a team's like PR, I would go out of my way to like play that up of like, we're going to let this one go. Like we're the jets. We're self-aware enough to know what people think of us. Let's play that up. That's fun. Let's have some fun here. That is fun. But I really do like the top of that draft. You know, you get a really great offensive guard to just complete the left side of your line, protect your quarterback. Again, build those trenches. You're seeing a fantastic value at 34. Well, I don't want to say fantastic value because it is the second pick of the second round, but good value. in Elijah Moore, who a lot of guys thought was, you know, the number three, number four wide receiver in this class, a very good player in his own right. That's your three biggest needs, offensive line, wide receiver and quarterback. And those, you know, matching 
Elijah Moore with Denzel Mims, you have your one-two punch. You have a relatively complete offensive line, at least one side locked down, where you can fill in pieces for now and continue to build down the road. You have your quarterback. You know, you've got a running back who's, you know, he's going to pound the ball. He's going to add some, you know, impact. It's just, you know, I don't necessarily think he'll be that fourth. I don't think he's going to be like the mid-round late running back that breaks out and is, you know, someone special. But again, it can always happen. We don't know yet, but I think the Jets had a very good draft. I, I'm i perfectly fucking happy, man. I mean, you know, you hadn't taken a defensive end late in the first. I was hoping that they would take an offensive lineman. Uh, they traded up to take an offensive lineman. This is this is great. I mean, uh, again, it's exactly what you want. One of the biggest complaints with the Sam Darnold years was that the Jets never really seemed to invest anything serious in the offensive line. Like they would bring in some veterans, but like they'd like get weird veterans. Like they wouldn't get the top end veterans. They'd get a guy who like came out of retirement. They get a guy who like had a Pro Bowl year that one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, yeah, like those are all things. Those are all hey, acquisitions. Hope- but like you have to, someone has to play the position. You got a guy. Like, How's that, how's that Brandon Marshall jersey we got you? <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's great to see in Joe Douglas's first uh, draft that he he gets, he, he traded, he wheeled and dealed and got up there and got, an, an offensive lineman to, to compliment Mackay Becton, who's been phenomenal for us. And then to spend the next two picks after that on offense was great. So the first four picks of the draft were all offensive picks. You got a quarterback, a, an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, and a running back. And borrowing the running back, those were all huge positions of need. And the running back you take in the, yeah, all right, yeah, that's a guy. Sure. That's um, a guy. Doesn't need to be anything special. It's the running back. So, but the fact that they're investing in guys that they want guys that will fit the system that they're putting together. That's what's important and to have all those pieces kind of come about from when, from the brainchild of the GM and the coach in the same draft, which again was not the case necessarily for the jets past 20 fucking years is wonderful. It, I, I, it, it's so encouraging. And then to see the next four straight pick five, five straight picks, being in the backfield is also great because the Jets have long had good defenses. And the past few years, the defensive front has still been really good. And then the backfield has been, uh, or the secondary has been a mess. And I'm not going to sit here and say that these five picks are going to absolutely turn over the secondary because no, you should never say that. And also it's five picks in the third or fourth round or later. Um, That's later. They're, they're second. So it went Elijah Moore, and then they went into the fourth round. So everything there was like fifth round and later. Right. Exactly. So, you know, none of these guys are going to be like necessarily I'm taking like a start. Like none of these, neither of these cornerbacks are necessarily going to be like your number one corner. But regardless, they don't even like need to be. The idea is that there's a scheme that's being built. There are obvious areas of need that are being addressed, and they're actually addressing them with guys that they want. It's miraculous. Um, like there, at, there's no head scratchers here. It's beautiful. Right. There's no head scratchers. And then just for good measure, they take a defense to tackle at the end. Don't give a shit. Cool. It's whatever. Um, I'm very, very happy. I'm wearing my Jersey. Cause I'm happy with this draft. If I wasn't happy with the draft, I wouldn't wear my Jersey today. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at their depth chart right now. I mean, you have Marcus May there, who's clearly the leader of that defensive backfield. He's the leader of the bunch. You know him well. He's finally back to kick some tail. All right. Anyway. (laughs) You have LaMarcus Jorney there, who is, you know, a veteran presence. But you look at cornerbacks, and the projected starters are Bless Austin, Bryce Hall, Michael Carter II. Those don't scream top-end cornerbacks. Going deep there with, you know, cornerback picks, defensive backfield picks, you're basically playing up like, all right, these guys are not taken early enough to be projected starters. They're not early enough to be day one starters. But we can hope that some of them or one of them, any number of them, are going to step up, be productive. We have faith in them. Let's see if we can find guys to fill out this depth. We need guys to step up. 
And the only way you can really do that in the draft is spend capital. And when you don't have early capital, you have to spend a lot more later capital. That's exactly what they did. So again, I've really enjoyed this draft. It's definitely going to be a building year for them. Um, you know, it's nowhere close to expectations of them competing in this division yet. I think we all know that. Um, but the fact that we are seeing this, you know, front office make the right decisions with coaching early on, make the right decisions in free agency, make the right decisions in the draft. We're seeing consistency now. We're seeing it all point in the right direction. You know, it's not one move saying, all right, we're taking the first step. It's not two moves. All right, we're seeing it. Let's see if it carries. This is now boom, 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 all pointing in the right direction. They're building. All in the right way. For once. Yeah, uh, agree. I actually don't think any of the drafts for any of the four teams in the AFC East really moved the needle for any of them um, in terms of their competitiveness, only because the where they are in their development was very much so established before this. Right. If you told me that like the Patriots really struggled um, because Cam Newton got off to a slow start and, but they didn't want to push Mac Jones into the starting role too soon. And so they just kind of like sucked for a bit and the Jets got off to a scorching hot start and they you know, Jets finished. It's going to be a 17 game schedule, which also we never talked about, but um, you're muted again, yep, um, which is wild. Yeah, but uh, and you told me that like the Jets finished eight and nine, and the Pats finished um, seven and ten or some shit like somewhere where they both finished near five hundred, and the Jets just kind of finished over the Pats. Mm-hmm. I could buy it, but a lot would have to go right for the Jets. A lot would have to go wrong for the Pats, and that is the same thing for every situation I think in the standings. So I'd agree. It's it's a very I don't want to say set in stone because it never is, but by all means, there's a very clear hierarchy all the way through. Right. And so now let's take it to uh, the exact opposite situation, which is the NFC East. So the team that won that division last year with a sterling 7-9 record is the Washington Washingtonians. Um, They should change their name to the Washington 51st Staters. Um, (laughs) Try to force Congress's hand there. That'd be funny. Let's make a statement here, folks. Um, All right. Washington's draft, they took linebacker Jamin Davis. I'm guessing at these name pronunciations, and I'm sorry. Offensive tackle Samuel Cosme. Um, cornerback Benjamin St. Just? Just? Justy. Wide receiver Diami Brown. Tight end John Bates. Safety Derek Forrest. Um, long, long snapper? I saw LS and was like... One of two. Yeah, Okay. And not that, like their last pick. All right, long snapper Cameron Cameron Cheeseman. Yeah. yeah, long snapper. They drafted long snapper Cameron Cheeseman. There were Packer fans that were irate that the Packers too. didn't get him. Packers didn't draft the Cheeseman. Oh man! All right, so <laughs> long snapper Cameron Cheeseman. Defensive end William Bradley King. Defensive end Shaka Tony. And wide receiver Dax Milney. Huh? Uh, We'll talk about it after the podcast. (laughs) All right. Um, What do you think about Washington's draft, and does it help them in any significant way maintain their division top dog status? Uh, No, it does not help their top dog status. uh, And new. They don't have a quarterback here. They were really never in a position to get a quarterback here. And at the end of the day, that's kind of the thing where, hey, Alex Smith retired. You don't have your like 15th overall pick from two years ago. You have Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're not going to win the division with Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's just kind of how it goes, no matter how good your defense is. That being said, they have an athletic linebacker in Jamin Davis. They have a really great offensive lineman prospect in Samuel Cosme. Diami Brown was a guy who people were talking about sneaking into the early second. I'm sure there were guys talking about him in the first, but getting him at 82 is just such insane value that it really doesn't matter. That was a huge need for them as well. They just all the way through, you know, built out the team in a really great way. Hey, taking a sixth round long snapper, 
is fine if you're getting a 10-year starter out of a, a six-round pick. That's how you do it. It you're way too early to tell. I'm not even going to begin to attempt to say that I have scouted anything with a long snapper ever. Um, I of course. What would love, you? What would you even draft for? How long he snaps the ball? Uh, it's all consistency. It has to be consistency. I know, but that was what I was going for. <laughs> I didn't care about the real answer to that question. Oh, I kind of just okay. Uh, oops. You heard me say how long the long snapper snaps the ball, and you took that as a serious response. I am a stupid person. That should think? be that should be a Pro Bowl event. The longest, like the longest snap. targets, long snappers, longest snaps. Yeah, absolutely. Why there isn't a more skilled, you know, skill competition based event is ridiculous. Like the way they do it now is better than playing the game because nobody gave a shit, and other than Sean Taylor killing that punter nothing exciting has ever happened in the pro bowl um but yeah that'd be really fun that'd be really fun uh anyway. i like the shaka tony pick because he's a defensive end that can run in like the low four fours high four threes and that's really cool and he's so fucking quick off the ball getting that in the seventh round no matter how much he needs to kind of bulk up and how much you think he's going to get swallowed up by massive offensive linemen, whatever he can fill a role at some point. Plus he went to Penn state. So whatever I'm biased uh, in all though, I, I do think they had a, a very good draft. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's a team that had a losing record and just because they're one of the division doesn't really mean shit because their division was trash. Um, and it's a team with a lot of holes, but, Showed a lot of promise with a uh, a new coaching staff, um, and some some bright spot players who who ended up kind of making a difference. It's tough to say if this does anything for them since they're locked into the kind of the highest spot they can get in this division at two, assuming Dak Prescott comes back at even fucking fifty percent of what he usually is, which he will. Yeah, I, I have so much faith in Dak. So I. This 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 draft to me is a fucking shrug, man. Like I like there's this. Who the fuck knows with this? Um, right. Yeah. All right. I'm with it. I'm jiggy with it. And let's just move on. I forgot they finished second in their division to the Giants. <laughs> did you realize? Did you remember they finished second in their division? If you asked me to put these teams in order from last season, I don't think I would be able to get a single one right. Outside of Washington, I think you're right. I don't um, even think I would have remembered that they won the division. I just think I'd be like, I am not confident with any single spot for any single team. I only remember that they won the division because Taylor Heineke started in a playoff game and everyone was posting pictures of Heineke beers and making jokes that were very unoriginal. Touché. Um, all right, so the New York Gigantes traded back in the draft and ended up taking wide receiver Kadarius Tony, offensive linebacker Aziz Ojulari, Cornerback Aaron Robinson, offensive linebacker Ellerson Smith, offensive outside linebacker. Jeez, oh, wow. Sorry, brain was on autopilot for a second. Offensive lineman backer. Offensive left back. <laughs> um, running back Gary Brightwell and cornerback Rodarius Williams. Uh, all right, Corwin. Not a lot of picks here. The Kadarius Tony pick I saw being a little bit um, discussed in the. Uh, in the world of Twitter. Uh, tell me about this draft. So they moved back from pick 11 to pick 20. Um, in doing so, they picked up a 2022 first round pick, which was the major uh, return piece there. At 20, taking Kadarius Tony seems like a big reach for me. I, I know he is a dynamic playmaker. I don't think he's a first round wide receiver. I think the options there at receiver were better. I think Rashad Bateman would be a much better pick and would fit the Giants better long-term. I get that they just signed Kenny Galladay, but at the end of the day, you have so many other slot receivers there. You've spent so much capital on slot receivers there the past couple of years that I just don't think this fits your team well enough. Um, that being said, getting that first-round pick is, of course, huge. And they were able to land Aziz Ajulari in the second round where if you took him at 20, 
I would love that trade. I would think that's an A-plus trade for the Giants. I think Adjulari at pick 20 would have been early, but very understandable. Um, so getting him at 50, I, I love. Um, at, from then on, you know, Aaron Robinson fits a need. Ellison Smith, Ellerson Smith, I should say, fills a need. All these players fill needs. It, nothing really speaks to me. I mean, a fourth and two sixths after that Aaron Robinson pick, That's there's not a whole lot to talk about there. So, again, nothing here moves the needle for me, which at the end of the day kind of locks in their grade of it's whatever. I, I, it, it's nothing to write home about. Uh, I was with Ethan when he the uh, Giants made their pick. He was very upset, understandably. I think he was most upset at my reaction to it, which was not ideal. Um, but, yeah, rough start, pretty decent finish. Yeah, I think if you're if you're a Giants fan, if I was a Giants fan, I would be most thrilled about this draft because you got a first-round pick next year. Right. And I would just hope, pray to God that the guy using that pick next year isn't David Gettleman. Oh, yeah. I'm That's, so done with Dave Gettleman. Right. And, you know, this draft was going to be suspect no matter what. And it's that's not even because of Gettleman's fault for this season. It's because of Gettleman's fault for taking Daniel Jones. This season for the Giants will not hinge upon who they took in the draft this year, the way that the Jets will. It will hinge upon whether or not Daniel Jones takes a singular fucking step in the right direction. That's what's going to make or break the Giants' expectations the following season. And if Daniel Jones isn't taking those steps and these picks aren't impactful upon that growth in at least some type of way, not that they need to, but just they I, for the for the Giants' future sake, but I think they kind of need to for Dave Gettleman's future with the company's sake, um, you got to hope that they fucking move on because you can't use – you can't give this guy – if he hasn't put together a single piece outside of Saquon fucking Barkley that has been a consistent producer for you, two first-round picks next year. And what could be a make-or-break... Because imagine imagine the Jets let Mike McCagnan do this draft this year. Two first-round mm. picks, a quarterback on the rocks. You're not quite sure what, if you want to keep him or not. Like, imagine... It'd be, it'd be terrible. And because it's the guy who drafted the first quarterback, they may or may not be more inclined to not admit they were wrong and keep that guy. And you know what? Trading Sam Darnold was the right call. And if and if um, fucking what's-his-face, Daniel Jones doesn't put it together this year, trading Daniel Jones might be the right call too, depending on what this year looks like. And you might have to get a new guy in there to make that decision and to use those first, those two firsts to really drive forward your team's progress. And I just am, if Dave Gettleman didn't do it the first time around, there is no reason to give him a second time around. So you're muted again. I'm hundred percent with you. I muted myself because I had to fart. I think telling us that you had to fart basically like negates the purpose of the mute, right? Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> I think if you take a step back and look at kind of the reasoning behind some of these picks, it does call into question, Hey, this is, you know, Dave Gettleman drafting for his job. Okay. Guess what? You, you signed Kenny Galladay. You don't need a boundary receiver there nearly as much. You have him and Slayton. Okay. Sterling Shepard hasn't worked out. Golden Tate hasn't worked out. Um, you know, they're, uh, fucking what's the name of their tight end uh evan engram hasn't really yeah. worked out all right kyle pitts got taken before their pick at 11 we trade back to get some value give us some more you know capital our guy's not there you take Kadarius tony it's like all right we'll slide him into the slot maybe he has a spectacular year we'll give that for daniel jones hey we'll take a late running back maybe he can you know be a complimentary piece to saquon barkley Okay, you know, like, we need to get Daniel Jones cooking. We need to do that. All right, we're drafting for our jobs here. But they never address offensive line. Not once in the entire draft do they address offensive line. It's not a, a huge 
groundbreaking need like it was for some other teams. But at the end of the day, Jesus, if all your cards are still in on Daniel Jones and for Dave Gettleman, they are. Man, it's it's not not exactly the way I would have pieced it out, but here we are. Yeah. Uh, again, it this draft isn't going to make or break the season. It might not make or break Edelman's job. Daniel Jones will, but fucking man, who the fuck knows? Uh, exactly. All right, let's take it to the likely division winners. The Dallas Cowboys. Oh, wait, actually, did they finish third in their division or were they last? I forgot to check. The okay, way. no, they were third. Okay, good. All right. The Dallas Cowboys took linebacker Micah Parsons, cornerback Kelvin Joseph, defensive tackle Osa Adijazua, uh, defensive end Chauncey Golston, cornerback Nashawn Wright, uh, linebacker Jabril Cox, offensive tackle Josh Ball, wide receiver Sammy Fahoko, defensive tackle Quentin Bohanna, uh, cornerback Israel Mukuama, and guard, Jesus, I fucked up guard right after I got Mukuama. Um, guard Matt Farniak. Um, Corwin, tell me about this draft full of delightful names. I have very mixed emotions. Um, on one hand, they got Micah Parsons. I love the value at pick 12. I love the value of Jabril Cox at 115. I think he has the chance to be a, a, you know, day one starter at linebacker who could come in and, and, and cover guys as, Excellent, excellent cover corner. The rest of their picks in between those were a lot of serious reaches. A lot of serious reaches. Nashawn Wright, Aza, Ad, yeah, the one. Odigazua. Thank you. Big reaches. Chauncey Goldman, Golston, reach. Like, ah, this is crazy. Like, Obviously, you and I do not know these players in depth enough. We're going off of the consensus of multiple different scouts, multiple different big boards, everything I've looked at, you know, whether it's from ESPN, The Athletic, PFF, you know, less PFF, but different sites sourcing everyone else. I know it can be a, a, you know, a, what's the term for it? I don't want to get stuck on this, but, um, a feedback loop of just oh, okay. guys feeding off of their opinions. But at the end of the day, a consensus is a consensus. And none of these guys were anywhere close to their draft stock where they were picked. And of course we will have to wait and see how it all turns out. But if I was a Cowboys fan, I would not be incredibly hopeful based off of, you know, the return that they got. You have those two really good picks that I really love. You know, I've heard, I've looked in and seen some videos about how, you know, these defensive line picks are basically there, you know, like Osa's there to be a interior lineman, plug up offensive linemen so Micah can have a clear path to the rusher. And if it works out fantastic, we're just going to have to wait and see. And it just does not, you know, outside of Parsons, there's no star player here that, okay, is building out the hope building out the, you know, moving the needle for the Cowboys. Yeah. You have to wonder if, um, if they're going with boom potential and not caring much about bus again, I don't know these players either, but I I've heard some of the similar reach kind of comments that you made, but you got to wonder where the giants, the giants, the Cowboys see themselves and where the, cause it wouldn't, it's not going to take much for them to win this division. This division's bad. The only reason they didn't win this division was because Dak Prescott got hurt and they had no good competent backup because Andy Dalton is a clown. Um, and Andy Dalton, if I see you on the street, I will tell you that to your face. Um, but anyway, yeah. no, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> anyway, um, see, you got to, I, I wonder, I don't know how they view the team's makeup. And because the team underperformed so much, I don't know how the team where the team's holes necessarily lie um, for solving their issues. I, I hate to say this all really boils down. Their whole season boils down to, Hey, how does Dak look coming back from surgery? But at the same time, kind of does. Um, their defense, what it comes down to what quarterback you got. The, you know, they, they just lost. Um, oh, who's the guy that just retired? Sean Lee uh, mm-hmm. just retired. So, you know, they'll be able to, I guess, 
try to shore up his positional group by having Mike Mika Parsons there. Micah, Mika, Micah, Micah. Hey, they replaced one legendary Penn State linebacker with another legendary Penn State linebacker. It's going to work out for him. Yeah, really. There you go. Um, but this was a almost all defense draft, <laughs> so um, which they needed. Yeah, and as I'm saying, like clearly, you know, maybe that's the view. Clearly, they think their offense is just fine with the pieces that they have, plus a healthy Dak, and they're just going to spend all their capital on defense and just try to ride that shit to a championship. I is what I'm going to assume. And honestly, they could very much so be right in like the worst way, which is that Andy could have picked almost anybody. But um, yeah, hey. I mean even with the losses they've had on their legendary offensive line from years past, you have three number one wide receivers. You have Ezekiel Elliott, you have Dak Prescott, you have some usable tight ends there. Uh, Blake Jarwin. And I forget the other guy's name, uh, but it really doesn't matter. You still have a good offensive line. The offense is fine. Your defense was historically bad last year for the Cowboys. That's where you needed to fill holes. Going all defense in the draft isn't a bad move if that's the only place you need help. Yeah. All right. Again, the draft isn't what moves the needle for the Cowboys. We both agree that it's Dak, and I easily would have them as the favorites to win the division, and it's all going to come down to that. And let's say to the last team in the division, the team that finished last in their division, the 4-11 and 1 Philadelphia Eagles, they drafted wide receiver Devontae Smith, offensive, oh, God, OL, outside linebacker? No, OL? Offensive, offensive lineman. Line. Okay, all right, so I, I overthought Land, it. Landon Dickerson's going to play center for the, or I guess not because they have Jason Kelsey. He'll probably be left guard. Okay. Um, I had to guess. Sure. Uh, they also draft defensive end Milton Williams, cornerback Zach P- McPherson. Um, hey, Zach. <laughs> Maybe it's Zeke. It's, it's definitely Zach. not Zach. It's, it is Zach. Mm-hmm. They named their kid Zach. Mm-hmm. They named their kid a spelling mistake. <laughs> oh, man. We named our kid a mispronunciation. Anyway, um, running back Kenneth Gainwell, defensive tackle Marlon. Yeah, Marlon. Tuipaluto, Tuipaluto. His full name is Zechariah. Oh, that's not great, but it's a lot better. Uh, defensive end Taron Jackson, linebacker Jacoby Stevens, and defensive end Patrick Johnson. Um, Corwin, what do you think about our last place Philadelphia Smeagles there? I really, really, really like this draft. Uh, this is genuinely one of my favorites out of the entire NFL. Devonta Smith. So the thing with them and this entire draft is it is truly one of the riskiest that you can see. I mean, Devonta Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, absolutely dynamic, rangy wide receiver. There are concerns with the sides. We've talked about it. We've mentioned it. That's, you know, our biggest concerns because that's his only concern. He has tremendous hands, good route running, great speed. He can do it all for you, but if he gets goes up against some press corners, some physical press corners, he might get bullied around. But at the end of the day, huge need for the Eagles, huge fit for them, uh, just exactly what they need, exactly what they're looking for. It could be a fantastic pick. Landon Dickerson could be the best offensive lineman in this entire draft. He's just had such a long injury history. There's risk there. You know, he's a guy the Steelers were looking at in the first round. They get him at 37. If he's healthy, he's going to be an all pro level guy or has the potential to be if he's healthy. Uh, Milton Williams is a guy who could be one of the most athletic defensive linemen, one of the most dynamic defensive linemen in the NFL. If he continues on the pace he's at, that's a big if, obviously, getting drafted 73rd overall out of Louisiana Tech. Um, it's a question mark, but huge potential. Zach McPherson is a corner who can come, you know, came out of Texas Tech, transferred there from Penn State. That's, you know, you mean how Texas I know him Zach. So well. Texas, Texas Zach. That is correct. Yeah. 
you know, I've seen him play. He's a good corner. He's a guy who could really get after it. He's, he can play all over, and he fills a major need for the Eagles. Kenneth Gainwell is a dynamic pass-catching running back. He can be that guy for the Eagles behind Miles Sanders. He could be their, you know, number two. He could be a good backup for them. Um, you know, I, I really don't know much of the rest of the draft, but if your first five-round picks are all guys with immense potential that could all be starters for you, Yes, they're risky, but at the end of the day, it's a great draft that with the potential to be an all-time draft if they all hit. And, and you know, plus they they are again very much so addressing their needs in exactly the way I'd imagine a fan would want them to. So you're starting just no, not Justin Fields. What's the name of their quarterback now? Um, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Sorry, um, you know. He, he is getting the starting job. You traded away Carson once. Jalen Hurts is now starting for you. Let's make sure we get him weapons and protection. You use your first two picks on wide receiver and offensive line. That's great. That's a great start. Now you look at where else the, the Eagles kind of need to compete. And in this division, defense. And they spent a lot of capital on, on defense, which has been a problem for them. You assume Justin – I was about to say Justin Fields again. Hmm. Jalen Hurts – is going to be able to do some some shit on offense. So you're not going to spend too much of your, your draft worrying about necessarily gathering up all the weapons. Plus you have some pieces left over from, you know, the years prior. And you're going to try to build out that defense, assuming that you can get the offense moving with this uh, second season of Jalen Hurts. And it's, it's a good fucking strategy. And it sounds like they pick guys that have good boom potential, which again, if they're going to compete their window, they're going to have to force their window open. The division is still mm-hmm. bad, even including the Cowboys. The division is bad. Having one good team doesn't make the division not bad. And if they're going to be able to leapfrog over two entire teams to get to second place in the division, which honestly is totally doable, um, they're going to need to p- try to pick up some guys that might be risky, but could get you over the hump a couple on a couple uh, in a couple games. I don't think it's going to take too much to stop the likes of. I guess what is still going to be Taylor Heineke in Washington. Um, or hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick, man, put some respect on the oh, name. Right, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Daniel Jones is uh, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um, Danny but Dimes. still, if you're going to be able to, if you assume that your quarterback play is enough to put you in competition for the, for maybe not the division, but at least a wild card spot, defense is what's going to move you through the playoffs. So I think this is. Uh, playoffs? Playoffs. Um, we're talking about playoffs. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it. it I this, this is. Us. I started that sentence trying to say, man, I'm. I keep taking us off topic and just like ruining the flow. And then realized, no, that's exactly what that's saying. That sentence would be. And I tried to stop it, but I already started, and it already stopped you. And oh yeah. my god, it's a mess. This is this is a draft I would hate if I was a Giants fan. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's what I'm going to take away from it. Because you have absolutely no faith in any of your front office decisions. And seeing guys with a big risk would be like, we're fucked. It's, it, every one of these guys is going to die. Like, they're just, it's over. Uh, yeah, man. So we, uh, all right. So actually, to, to close off this, after this draft, assuming a healthy Dak Prescott comes back, how would you shake out this division? Who moves for you? I would say it would go Dallas, Washington, Eagles, Giants. Okay. With the Eagles and Giants really coming down to QB play. I think Washington's defense and the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick just cannot suck and has never sucked. He's just good enough to get you almost there. Uh, I think that would lock them into number two and then the toss up with three, four. Yeah. Um, I'll say Dallas, Philly, Washington, New York. That's fair. Jalen Hurts works out. Some of their defensive pieces work out. They could put together a good season. I'm also the statistical likelihood of Ryan Fitzpatrick eventually sucking increases <laughs> with every season that passes. Very fair. Yeah. Um. 
So, hey, maybe it's this year. And uh, I like Jalen Hurts. It seems like he's going to be, he's going to do well. So I like him too. It's, it's that I forgot his name, but I believe in him. I fucking love his mental game. Mm. Um, all right. So we said we were going to do two divisions. Uh, one, you know, we said we we're going to get to the um, North today, but fuck, we are not getting to the North today. Josh thought we could get through all 32 teams today. I was wondering if we, yeah, yeah it was a foolish. <laughs> I also said the same thing about us doing draft predictions, getting through all the whole first round and yeah, we didn't do that either. So um, I couldn't have done it that first night. I like my no. throat was so dry. I would have died. So we're going to put the other um, three divisions per conference on pause for a bit next episode is actually going to be when we have emily nyman back on um we're going to be talking some baseball shit there's some new rules that the three of us are going to talk about um some other you know topics going around baseball that we'll be talking about with emily nyman on thursday's episode and then after that probably the next three straight we'll be finishing out our draft discussion and looking forward to OTAs and kind of seeing what happens with those since they basically didn't happen last season. Um, So it'll be interesting to kind of segue into the resumption of normal football practices um, post or during COVID, I I guess. Um, It ain't over yet, folks. Yeah. Get vaccinated. Please, for the love of God, um, we'll never hang out with you dumb bitches if you're not vaccinated. And we are, Preach. are kind of fun to hang out with sometimes. <laughs> Do you got anybody like golf? Anybody want to play golf with us? You know, golf? golf backwards is flog, which is what it's like to golf with Corwin. Um, <laughs> Saying as the only person to ever hit me with a golf ball. <laughs> Weiss? Who knows? Yeah. Really, what it is is I just fucking suck at golf. All all of those domestic battery incidents, they all just blend together in the memory, you know? Yeah, I say. It was a Forrest Gump shot. (laughs) Yeah. I never saw a cent of that million dollars. Um, All right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Uh, so we'll wrap it up there. So again, uh, Thursday's episode, we'll have Emily Nyman back on. After that, it'll be draft shit. So stay tuned, folks. Fun shit on the way. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Uh, if you want to send us emails about shit, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And that is it. So until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.